Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we've got um, some trade deadline stuff, I guess we're going to kind of preview. Uh, the trade deadline really isn't for about another month or so. Uh, I want to say it's March 21st or something like that. Um, but there's already a big trade that has gone through. That'll be, yeah, I had that right on March 21st. Um, there's a big trade that went through this week, obviously that Chase and I are going to discuss. And then we figured we go through each and every team and say whether we think they should buy, sell or stay put and what they will actually do. So obviously I think for a number of these teams, it'll be, um, pretty obvious, you know, what they should do and what they probably will do. But I, I think there'll be a bunch of teams in the middle where maybe we either differ from what they're going to do, what they should do versus what they will do, or um, maybe we'll even differ from each other on what we think they should do. So it should lead to some interesting conversation. Um, but the, the biggest piece of news and really what kicked us off here is a big Montreal Canadiens trade. And that's that they acquire Andrew Hammond from the Minnesota Wild for Brandon Batting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, obviously that that did happen. That that was an actual trade, which it kind of looks like Andrew Hammond uh, might be their starting goaltender for a little bit. As a side note, um, but uh, no, obviously the big news was Tyler Topoli goes to the Calgary Flames, and in return, Tyler Pitlick comes back as a salary dump, as well as uh, 2022 first round pick, uh, which is top ten protected. 2023 fifth round pick from Calgary and prospect Emil Heinemann, uh, who was their second round pick in 2020, 43rd overall. Um, sorry, it was actually Florida's second round pick. Florida traded him in the Sam Bennett deal, I believe. Um, so Heine, um, the, the prospect looks fine. Like from what I've heard, he's kind of like a B ish level prospect. Um, but obviously to fully for a first is the big part of this. Uh, take me through your thoughts, Chase. What do, what do you think of this trade from either side, wherever you want to go with this really? Yeah, I think as usual, it's more, it's more interesting from the buying team's perspective. And I love this for Calgary. What about you? Yeah, I think this is a great fit. Um, and a trade that, you know, if you would have told me Calgary made at any time in the past eight months, I would have been like, what the hell's wrong with you? But actually makes a bunch of sense this year. Oh, yeah. Like there, this is kind of a uh, Calgary's raw numbers don't look amazing this year, but I, I love this as like a strike while the iron's hot thing. The, the division sucks. Actually, that's a lie. They're about to be leading the division, even though they have Vegas in it. And Vegas is scary, but crazier things have happened in one playoff round and your division's horrible. You have a really, really good team, great underlying numbers, like go for it. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. That's the difference from this year to last year. Like if they were second in this division and, but they were playing, you know, like I think last year they had uh, until, you know, especially when they fired their coach, I think it was like 48, 47, Corsi four percentage expected goals, that area. If they were sub 50 again this year and they were just kind of riding Jacob Markstrom on an insane hot streak, I think he's got 10 shutouts now this year. Um, you know, if that was the case, I would say I really don't think this is a smart move from Calgary. In fact, I think they should have been doing the opposite and selling. But, you know, this is a team that uh, Goudreau is having a career year. I've even seen some people suggest maybe he should be getting some heart talk. Um, I don't know, you know, where you stand on that, but. 
Uh, Kachuk looks great again. Their decor is revitalized. As I said, Markstrom's got 10 shutouts this year, and they got their second in the league in Corsi four and unexpected goals for as well with 55% in both. So um, this is a really good team. Uh, again, their division sucks. Yes, Vegas is good, but you're going to have to beat good teams on the way. Um, you know, and they have a legitimate chance with Stone going on IR for Vegas here. You know, we talked about that last week. That was made official. Um, they have a legitimate chance to try and take a run at first in this division. They're they're one point back with three games in hand, as you mentioned. And, you know, like it, it wouldn't shock me if they finished first, honestly, which is not something I saw coming um, at any time this season. So I, I really think it's a, a really solid deal. I think Tyler Toffoli fits their team really well too. That's the other thing is I don't think it's just adding a player. I think Toffoli, he's a good enough, like he's having a not great year on Montreal, but who is having a good year on Montreal, but I think he would have been a good player for anyone to add. He really fits Calgary. They did not have any right wingers and Tyler Toffoli answers an immediate need for that team. Yeah. Yeah. It seems absolutely perfect. And it's worth noting Foley hasn't been great in Montreal, but he hasn't been bad either, or at least his underlying numbers. I think his on-ice goals and stuff suck, which would make sense. But uh, the fact that his underlying numbers are still, like, pretty decent, like he's still driving play relatively well on an absolute train wreck in which it can't be easy to stay motivated, like, that's a good sign. I think they're still getting Tyler Foley. We all expect him to. Yeah, and even his base point rates in Montreal right now are 26 points in 37 games. It's not like that's bad by any means like if that's on your second or third line you're loving that yeah it's 50 point pace and he's got term left like this is the perfect kind of buy yeah and that's the other thing too is they're buying him for multiple years which to me you know acquiring a Toffoli type player like that suggests that they probably want to keep the band together with you know Goudreau and Kachuk um and I can't really blame them for that either you know again I think if this I had a very different outlook on this team heading into the year. And that's because I thought, you know, they would really miss Giordano um, and, you know, him stepping away might be the beginning of the end where they kind of have to retool or whatever, but um, you know, they, they've had uh, Rasmus Anderson has stepped up. Tanev continues to look great. Um, you know, after his career kind of looked like it might be coming to an end, you know, it's bad. I don't think he's having quite as good of a year as last year, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's having another very solid year. Um, you know, Anderson's found his role, his game and, uh, you know, so that D, that decor has really gone in too. So I, I would uh, definitely agree where they should be looking to keep um, Kachuk and Goudreau and probably uh, Mangia, Mangia Payne as well, or Mangia Pane, depending how you pronounce it. But um, yeah, I, I really like this deal. 4.25 for two more years after this one. So, uh, and again, like, I don't think this division's getting outstandingly better over the next couple of years. Like you would assume LA will take a step forward, maybe Anaheim, but like it kind of feels like Anaheim's even punching above their weight this year. So um, yeah, I, I really like this from Calgary. I think that this is a really good on ice fit. I, I love what Sutter's done with the team. And, you know, I, I think the price is a very fair one of a, a top 10 protected too. Like that's the thing. If Markstrom gets hurt tomorrow and somehow they manage to slide all the way down the lottery, it's not like they're losing a first round pick this year or anything. Yeah, 100%. And also, even in the worst-case scenario for Calgary, which I assume since he's playing at that borderline MVP level, they believe is like they lose Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau and they have to blow it up, right? We all know how much teams pay for even that second year at the trade deadline. So there's a chance they could buy Tyler Toffoli for this year and trade him for like the exact same thing next year, even if shit hits the fan. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point because, you know, if Tyler Toffoli comes in, let's say they make a run to the second or third round or whatever this year, and he's like a 60 point pace for the rest of the years ish. And, you know, yep. kind of plays like that to start next year on the top line. Um, yeah. Some team would absolutely give up. They'd probably get a better prospect and a first for him again. Yep. Yeah. You could even go with the rehab thing. Cause People are playing worse on like Montreal's made every player on the team worse. And Calgary's had a way of making every player who plays there better. So they could, they, they could get more for them easily. Yep. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I, I really love the steal from Calgary's perspective. I, I think it's one of the ones, you know, sometimes when there's a trade, it's like, well, I'm not really sure, you know, as a team, it's like, does, does it move the needle that much that you need to give that up? But um, yeah, this is a team that I think is in a perfect position where it's like, they should probably just be trying to go for it in a bad division anyways. And um, this really fills a massive hole on their, on their lineup. So, uh, you know, from the Montreal aspect, I, I'm curious to get your take. Cause I saw a lot of people, especially house fans on Twitter, like legitimately disappointed in the return. And I kind of get it. Like, Selling a guy, but I think it kind of goes to the theory that multiple years doesn't always matter in terms of like, if he has one extra year on your deal, you can sell it as term. But if he has two, you're only getting what you would have got for one, whether that makes sense or not. And and go ahead. Well, also like he signed a steal of a contract when he signed that four by four a couple years ago. And now you're mad that the league doesn't overvalue him, even after you just got him on a good deal because the league like grossly undervalues him. Like you can't have it both ways there. Yeah. And like, as you just said, like every player has looked bad in Montreal, like people are relatively down on him this year. So as they should be right. Yeah. Like I thought it was an okay trade for Montreal. I, I definitely don't think they blew it out of the water or anything. And that was part of it. I think too, is, and maybe maybe some of that is because, you know, it's a lot easier to sell in the NHL. Like, it's a lot easier. Like, what have we been saying with Arizona the whole time is, like, how easy was it that I'm just a mass picks this year and we're applauding them for it? The hard part is obviously putting those picks to good use. But um, I, I think people were maybe disappointed with that. They didn't fleece uh, the, the flames or anything like that, because that's sometimes almost expected for people who are selling at the deadline. Yeah, and, and that does happen, but. I mean, you got a first round pick and your team sucks for a player that was going to be of no utility to you. Yeah. And a prospect that's like, even if he's fine, like if he turns into like a third line player, like that's not nothing. Exactly. And now they did get the most kind of overvalued pick in the world, which is going to be like a late twenties first, but you can also trade that for a young player at the deadline, like, or at the draft. I mean, you could use it yourself. Like it's good to have assets and they got a really valuable one. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think, like, you know, maybe if it's a different team, if it's a team coming out of a rebuild, maybe you go, there's probably better ways to use the 23rd overall pick than just drafting it if you're trying to be good next year. Yeah. But the Montreal Canadiens aren't trying to be good next year. No, they're trying to suck. They clearly, <laughs> well, I don't want to say clearly, but their actions on the at the trade deadline are probably about to reveal that they view themselves as a, as a Bedard and Mitch Cobb contender. And this helps you do that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you just use it stockpiles assets for a team that's about to begin a rebuild because, you know, if you look at it as like, obviously there's a very select few players who make the year, year one, there's 
Some of them don't even make it in year two, whether I think more obviously probably should. I think that's more of a stubbornness thing than anything else. But if you're looking at it, it's like, well, this player won't be ready for three years. Well, guess what? Like that's you don't, thing. you don't need him for three years, right? Like, yeah, your team sucks. Uh, you don't have a choice whether you're going to be good in the next year or two. So that's fine to keep him away from this train wreck. Yeah. So um, they're starting to, I, they're going to be really interesting because, you know, they, they had a lot of picks last year too, if I remember correctly. Like I'm pretty sure they had 10 or 11 picks in the draft last year, and they already have uh, a lottery first this year. Um, they won't, uh, on cap friendly, it shows they don't have their own first. That's not technically, or it's technically true, but it, it won't be. So they give up the, it's supposed to be the higher of theirs and Carolina, unless one or both are in the top 10. And obviously Montreal's will 100% be in the top 10 and Carolina's is very, very, very likely not to be. So if one is in the top 10, it actually becomes the lower of the two picks. So Carolina's will be on the move. They'll get to keep their own. So they have a lottery first. They're probably going to have a first in the 18 to 24 ish range. They have their own second right now, three thirds, two fourths, a fifth, their own fifth, their own sixth and two sevenths. So, and that's really before selling has started, you know, like I could see, um, you know, I could see basically anyone like I could see them flipping Tyler Pitlick if someone wants to take him this year. Uh, Kulak is going to go. Obviously, it, it sounds like a given they're going to get a first for Sherratt somehow, which is remains insane to me. But, um, you know, I, I could see um, Gallagher, even like a Gallagher type move, maybe Petrie instead of Gallagher. Um, but, you know, like I could see a core piece or two moving in the offseason as well if teams have some more money and feel that that's what they would. Uh, benefit from so i think they're they're kickstarting a rebuild and the best way to do that is obviously a mass picks you know kind of like arizona has and they are at least on the route to doing a pretty good job of that right now yeah yeah exactly and then just the fact that they're going to get a first for Shiraz is such a gift horse yeah it's really the, i, I kind of do wonder if if we get to it's one of those i'm trying to think of who was last year latin two years ago or last year there was a player that just like all the media was just hyping up and I, I'm trying to remember the name, but I can't. And then it just turned out that like, no one actually really wanted him all that much. So the, the, the return was like, it was a fair return, but just given how hyped it was, I think it was like a second or a third. Maybe I'm even thinking like Taylor Hall and the media didn't hype him up or anything like that. But, but you know, I, I do wonder if it's one of the situations where the media is just like all over this guy. And then it comes to re, like, in reality, it's like one or two teams, are like we would maybe give more than the third for them. Yeah, I could definitely see something along those lines because it just seems so divorced from reality at this point. Yeah, but like even like the the cup run, you know how? And because this is the thing, like when he does go for a first, I won't be surprised because NHL teams are stupid and they look at him and they go, "Oh, look at that cup run." Where he had a career year last year, I don't think it was really him driving his results and. They just ignore the absolute shit that happened this year and chalk it up to, well, Montreal's bad, where in reality, it's like, yes, Montreal is bad, but he's a part of the reason he's bad. You know, it's not like he's posting Tyler Toffoli numbers or anything where it's like, yes, they're slightly below career average, but they're still fine. He's just been yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what else Montreal can do here, but um they are definitely uh, in a position to start this rebuild, which is what they desperately need. You know what the most disgusting part of this trade is? 
I read 2023 fifth round pick and thought, wow, that's a number of years in the future. That's next year's draft. Yeah, that's hard to get used to, eh? Nuketown 2025 is coming right up. Oh, geez. Like, like I remember when 2023 picks would be like, you're like four years deep into a GM connected mode, and that's the pick you're trying to flip. Yeah, I remember to like, 2025 back in the like the chill 13 days was when you were starting to get into the territory where nobody real was left in the yeah and that is uh, just that that blew my mind when i actually looked and just realized that the because i I read it 2023 fifth and i'm not getting when i was reading that return out in my mind i went oh that's weird to give a pick like two three years in the future and then i realized it's literally next year's draft it's next year's first yeah yeah but um yeah, that, that wraps up the news. It's been a quiet, a quiet week, which uh, isn't surprising. We are recording. I think, I think we recorded last Thursday. It's Tuesday this week, so it's only been five days. We're trying to get off the Friday schedule. I find Fridays are pretty busy for myself anyways to even like promote the podcast, which kind of makes it the same that, um, you know, other people are probably busy doing other stuff on Fridays. So we're uh, trying to switch here and kind of get into the midweek uh, rotation, but um, there's not much news here. So let's, uh, switch to buy, sell, stay. Um, you know, we're going to go through each team. I have them up. Just we'll go division by division. So it's not, we don't just start with all the buyers and then all the sellers or anything like that. Um, so we're going to go through each team here, kind of give what we think they should do quickly, what they will do, you know, why is there any difference? You know, some teams like Colorado are obviously going to just be like buy and they're going to buy. So there's not like a ton to talk to, but, uh, this first team is pretty interesting. And that's the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I think they should sell everyone of note. We have talked about this a couple times uh, already on this podcast, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see what they will do because I could see them doing a half in half out kind of thing where like maybe they trade Ricard Raquel or something like that, but kind of keep a couple of the other UFAs. And I think they should be selling just about every single UFA. Yeah. They they really seem like a team. Remember when the Leafs bought Boyle for like a second round pick? And it was like, yeah. People were like, well, this is objectively stupid. And everybody was like, yeah, but second round picks don't really matter. Not that that's a good comeback, but that was kind of the best comeback. That the only real positive. And the boys in the room will like it. Anaheim seems destined for a trade like that. Yeah, I was thinking, and I don't think it'll really come to fruition anymore because uh, Stone's going on LTIR. But if Vegas wasn't, if Vegas thought Stone might be back before the end of playoffs and they really wanted to move something, I thought a move that could work for Anaheim is like bring in Evgeny Dadanov and take a pick for doing it. Because Vegas, if Vegas wants to get rid of that contract, which still is another year on it, like you could probably spin that as, see, look, we added something, but you even got an asset for doing so. Yeah, that'd be really clever, actually, as a GM. So that's that would take a level of creativity in which I would never just assume an NHL GM has, but that would be cool. Yeah, I, I don't expect anything like that, Dan. But like that, that's the kind of move if they were going to quote unquote add to the team, I think they should do where it's like they have the cap space, like they have 11 million in cap space right now. I absolutely think they should move a pick a piece or two out. Like I would move Raquel. I would move Lindholm. I would move um, just like anyone, anyone who's anyone wants Manson. If anyone wants Josh Manson, uh, he can go as well. And if gets yeah. like, if gets wanted to leave, gets the one, I think they'll probably keep for sure, which is fine. But 
Yeah, like I, yeah, I would just you can let Getzlav retire a retire a duck. That'd be cool. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, everyone else, I, I think I would be hard selling on. So we'll we'll see what the Ducks do. I, I think. Hmm. Well, like you know, they're gonna turn down a first for Hampus Lindholm at some point. A first plus. We might not hear about it, but I'm reasonably certain something like that will happen. I do think so. The the one thing I'm hesitant on still is there is still a month until the trade deadline. Over a month, really. There's, uh, I guess, almost five weeks. Like, it's the 15th right now, so 24. Yeah, about a month. Uh, probably a short month. So, um, there is a very big possibility that by the time the trade deadline does come around, this team, who is currently fourth in the Pacific with 55 points and more games played than anyone else in the division, is, like, fifth or even sixth in their own division and, like, eight, maybe not eight, but like five or six points out of a playoff spot. And then I could see them maybe being more willing to sell if they're like really on a slide come the deadline time. Yeah. If they implode, I could see that. But even if like we assume Edmonton catches them, they're two points back three games in hand. Even if they're like two points behind Edmonton, I don't see a team selling in that scenario, even though they absolutely should. Especially a team like Anaheim that has young pieces and could get the fucking bag this trade deadline. Yeah, I think they'll stay put if they're like within a point or two of a playoff spot. I, I don't think that's a good idea at all. But uh, um, next team is the Calgary Flames, which is a bit, bit of an easy one here. Uh, I think they probably are going to look to add another piece or two, probably smaller than Toffoli, but they are clearly buyers, you know? Yeah, wouldn't shock me if they go for a defensive piece this time. They they don't have a ton of picks to work with unless they want to move something from next year because they, they don't have their first now. They do have two seconds. They have Florida's second this year too. Um, so that's a low second as well. They don't have their third. They don't have their fourth or sixth. So they only have they have two seconds, a fifth, and a seventh this year. They don't have their fifth next year, obviously, trade away, but they do have the rest of their picks next year. So I could see like uh, moving a second or a third next year for a defenseman um, to try and shore up that blue line because – Zadorov, Goodbranson, Michael Stone is a tough bottom three to be rocking with. Yeah, see if they could get some sort of equivalent of the, um, what's his name? Mike O'Reilly trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a very good one. Um, and, and maybe they even like, another thing I feel, I, I always feel weird at the deadline. Is, and maybe this is just the teams prefer the pick versus the player, but prospect, you rarely see like just a prospect go for a, a player. You know, like it's, yeah. And maybe that's because teams that are selling don't really want the 21 year old prospect because they, they want to like take the swing at an 18 year old who they won't need for three years anyways, versus the 21 year old who, you know, maybe if they're trying to be good in two or three years, it'll be 23 or 24. But like, it's not like, um, like the, the flame still of Connor Zari, Jacob Peltier, um, Yusuf Valamaki, I don't know if you consider him a prospect, but I know he probably has some value around the the league. Like if you traded like a 20 to 23 year old instead of your second round pick or whatever for a a rental, like I I just don't know why we don't see that more often. Yeah, that's fair. I think part of it's like the moral hazard of it, right? Like because the prospects are real. There's a lot of uncertainty there. But the team with the best information on the prospects is the team that currently owns them. So, like, if you are willing to give them up, that's a really poor signal, right? 
Kind of, but like if you're willing to give him up in a trade for with a first round pick for a slightly better player, why is that not a red flag? Yeah, that's fair. Like, I, like I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm sure that is how people look at it, but like, I just, I don't really know if I agree with that logic all the time in terms of if that is what's stopping trades from happening. I, I don't really get it. But um, next team here is the Edmonton Oilers. Ooh. I. This is a tough one. I don't even know what they should do, to be honest. I don't even think you can think about buying if you're them. I think you have to stay put. Yeah, because your team sucks. Yeah, like your buy was Evander Kane. And they don't yep. have cap space either. Like they're six, they're seven mil over the cap right now using an LTIR. If anything, wow. sell and hope. Because, like, by all accounts, you have at least one more year with McDavid. If anything, sell and make sure you don't suck next year. Yeah, I I don't think you can sell. I, I think if you sell, that might be enough to really piss one of McDavid or, or even Dreisaitl off, to be honest. Might be. You'd, you'd, you'd have, have to know that. Obviously. Yes, you definitely have to go to them and talk about it. And if they're if you pitch them the plan of, hey, this year's been a disaster, Let's sell and regroup. But the thing, like, what they don't even really have much to sell. No, they don't. Like, and they should honestly make the playoffs. Yeah. They have a Vander Kane's got a full no move. He's not going anywhere. There are a phase or Pugliarvi Yamamoto. So, unless you think you can't keep one of them, but like, you know, maybe if they're going to buy a goalie, is what they should be looking for. Yeah, that'd be a good trade. Like, if you could even, I don't know even who's out available. Like, that's the thing. Because they're not going to be able to afford Marc-Andre Fleury. No, um, no, not even close. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone who's even, like, remotely okay that is coming up. Um. I'm just going on cap friendly real quick to sort by position here. But, like, if you could find a goalie where you could – say flip Koskinen or Smith or something like that and pick up like Jonas Corposalo from Columbus. Now yeah, he has been, be right. he's been bad this year. Sucks, but yeah. I'm sure he's better than Mike Smith. I say he's got an 887 this year, which is tough, but you know, I would uh, maybe take a, a shot on him versus Mike Smith. Hell, yeah, well, the nice thing. If it's cheap no enough. Real... Like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, there's no real good parts about having Mike Smith, but at least it makes it easy to upgrade. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I was just about to say, like, I don't think he's great, but like Brayton Holtby might be a better option than Mike Smith if like Dallas is trying to sell. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. There's probably more upside there with Holtby, even though obviously his best days are still behind him, but I'm sure he's capable of better than like a 900 or whatever Mike Smith has. Yeah, like I'm, I'm just looking at his Rossi percentage and it's 912. Um, yeah, I don't know what, sign. yeah, what Mike Smith's at, but. Um, yeah, like I, I think if you're if they're gonna do anything, it should be a buy on a goalie, but like they don't have their third or fourth this year, so it's like, are you really gonna you have to have confidence that like Evander Kane has helped shape this team where you can man, I really don't know what to say because the other thing about this is like I do think their forward line still could be good, you know. Like if they balance it out and put Zach Hyman on that third line, they could have three really good lines. Their decor sucks ass, but 
I just go back and forth because it's like, are you really going to spend have no second, third, or fourth this year? And like, very good chance you're eliminated round one. But at the same time, it's like, well, we have Connor effing McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. It's like, if we can get in the playoffs, you know, there's a fine enough chance that we could make it a round or two and and go from there. But I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Yeah. And the, the division sucks, so you could justify a lot of things, but yeah, but I'm like even back in a horrible spot. Even then, the division sucks because they suck, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like th- this division looks a lot less bad as we just talked about. Like Calgary's been a legitimate good team this year. I think Calgary's probably you know we talk about tiers. I think Calgary might be the leader of like a fourth tier in terms of cup contenders, where it's like you have the eight where it would not be a shock if they won it. If Calgary won it, I think I'd still be a little surprised with just how the team is this moment without adding anything else. But like it wouldn't be like shocking, right? Like I think they're they're kind of just after that that tier of like Pittsburgh, maybe. Maybe you can even include them in a tier with Pittsburgh, but but like they're not a bad team. Vegas obviously is a top four or five team in the league when healthy. And you know, like if Edmonton was even in that tier with Calgary kind of thing, like suddenly this isn't a, a horrid division, but it's just like, it looks horrible because you're horrible. Yeah. Them, them disappointing early does make it look way worse than it has any business being. So I don't know. I, I think they'll stay put. I don't think they have the salary cap to make anything work, to be honest. So no, which is probably fine because they're probably not doing anything this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, Los Angeles. The Kings, this is an interesting one. I think they'll stay put. I don't think they'll buy, but I don't think they'll sell anyways. If I was them, I would probably look at selling like an Athanasiu if you don't plan on bringing him back and someone wants to give you an asset. Um, Olimata as well. Like I would probably sell one or two of my, if someone wants to take a Jonathan quick, I would absolutely try and flip that contract. Um, Dustin Brown, you can go either way. If you want to, Dustin Brown is a, definitely a lesser obviously he's never as good as Getzlav was but like if Dustin Brown wants to retire a lifelong member of the Kings I'm not going to be like you can't do that or anything right like yeah yeah and that's fine just on like the base level I would have leaned towards sell with these guys but they don't really have a ton to sell it's not because with they're in a similar spot to Anaheim but Anaheim would be leaving like three first round picks plus on the table if they don't sell LA's leaving like a handful of depth picks, and that's probably it. Yeah, you're probably getting like a third for Athens CU and maybe a third or a fourth for Mata. Like you're not yeah. getting that much. And I can't yeah. imagine you're getting much more than that for like maybe a second for Brown because of quote unquote leadership. But yeah, like Oily Mata has three points this year. Yeah. So like I I don't think you're I, I would be fine if this team stayed, definitely. I, I would probably lean towards selling maybe one or two of your UFAs, but you know, if it's one of those things where it's like, oh, got to keep the room happy. Just uh, don't spend assets this year. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the opportunity cost being a lot smaller that makes it fine for them. Yeah, and especially not on a rental anyways, I should say. You know, if you can manage to pick up a guy who's got a couple of years left at like 23, 24, like kind of what they did with Arvidsson this offseason. Sure, if there's a guy like that available and he's cheap, go for it. But I would just wait till the offseason because we've seen it's a lot easier to uh, – take good players on when teams are trying to ditch cap to make stupid signings. Yeah. That's kind of the perfect time to do it. Uh, San Jose. This one seems to be easy sell. And I think that's what they'll do. Um, your, your team sucks. Uh, yep. There's really no illusion. You're 
what is it? Uh, seven points out in that terrible division. You'd have to leapfrog three teams to get in. Your old sell away. Hurdles are a big piece this year. Uh, UFA after this year, 5.6 right now. Really good player. Um, he'll definitely get a first and probably a good prospect, I would assume. I would think so. This is, again, that weird non-linearity. Like, you should be able to get, like, a Mark Stone-level package for Thomas Hurdle. I mean, is that a dig at the, the Stone trade or, like, a, a do you mean, like, a good package? Just, like, the way that trades are valued, right? Like, mm. Hurdle's, like, saying- a first liner in. Obviously, he's nowhere near as good as Stone, but for some reason, teams seem to give as much up for guys like Hurdle as guys like yeah. Stone. Well, the Stone one will never not blow my mind. It hurts that Branchum auto up with his development, but because Stone didn't even get a first-round pick, which is wild. Yeah, but Branstrom was maybe the best prospect we've seen move in a while. I'm trying to think. Yeah, he had a lot of hype behind him. That's for sure. But anyways, yeah, like he, he should be able to get, you know, just like, He's one of those players where it doesn't make sense, even if it makes sense or not, he will probably get a first or he will get a first for sure. He might get like even like a third and a really good prospect. Like it's one of those where it's like some team is going to pay out the nose for him. Probably he probably won't be worth it, but he will add to the team or whatever. Um, Other than that, like they don't really have any UFAs. Um, James Reimer is another interesting one that could like go to Edmonton. I think he's cooled down recently, but he had a real hot start to the year. I can't imagine James Reimer would be worse than Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen, but. No, and if you get like a fourth round pick, it's probably better than keeping James Reimer, to be honest. Yeah, he's got a year left on his deal too, but I don't. That's not necessarily a bad thing, actually. No, I like team is two. I think the it's two point two five is a cap hit. So, like again, for a team like Edmonton, that could be useful. But um, another easy one, the Kraken, they're going to sell. Um, they should sell. They don't. I they. It'll be interesting to see how much they sell. I should say because they have a ton of UFAs. Yeah, although we we thought they would all do something with their cap space. Yep. Once. Yep. Like, so, um, like the, the expansion. One, go ahead. The equivalent to how weird they acted the expansion draft would be like if they just let everyone walk or resign them here. Yep. It, yep. Literally, um, <laughs> it wouldn't even shock me. Like, uh, especially resigning a bunch of these guys. The big one I'm curious about is Mark Giordano. Um, yeah. Like, you know, what does his value look like? Yeah, and, like, do, you know, you named him the first captain franchise history. Like, do you want to move on from I think he's still playing fine. Definitely, like, regressing from what he was. Um, but, like, still not, like, a bad player or anything like that. Um, the the connections people are making is how funny it would be if the, he went back to Calgary for a year uh, at the deadline. That would be kind of cool, actually. I, I think it would be funny to see. I don't see Calgary doing it, to be honest. I, I feel like it would be one of those cases where it's, like, he was the captain for so long. They moved him out like the quote unquote new leadership, you know, different in the room or whatever. I feel like bringing him back, like I'm not saying it would necessarily tank them or anything, but it just kind of feels like one of those things that has the potential to be awkward. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's just like, don't make your deadline deals based on nostalgia. It'd be cool and all, but yeah, but um, yeah, that'll be the one interesting one. If they trade or keep them, I think Cali Yarncroke, some team could really uh, benefit from picking him up. As uh, if he's not going to cost too much. Um, Marcus, yeah, see that. Marcus Foligno is another one that uh, um, will probably, or Martin Foligno, Marcus Johansson, sorry, will probably be moved. Um, 
than like maybe a Ryan Donato. I don't know, but they, they, that's uh, definitely Giordano's their big name. That is uh, an upcoming UFA. So look for him to be probably moved out of here. Yeah. And that'll probably be a first. Yeah. If, if they do trade him, I would assume it'd be a first, even if it maybe shouldn't be, but. Um, yeah, it probably shouldn't be at this point, but the, the name value is there, and you'll, yeah, the leadership they have retention spots, so they'll be retaining half, and he's the top four big tough playoff defenseman or whatever. Exactly, uh, Vancouver Canucks. Um, they just don't have much to sell. Like no, which is sad. <laughs> it is very sad, but I think this team stays put because you know, like Brock Besser is basically if they're trying to not re-sign him. He's the only piece they have to move. Yeah, and that doesn't do anything good for you. No, so... Selling, selling low on Besser. It'd be very Vancouver for them to actually do it, but... Yeah, so I, I would stay put. I think that's probably what they'll do, too. Yeah. Um, last team in the division, Vegas. Uh I don't, I just don't see how they're going to buy, but you know, it sounds like they still want to add a piece or so, uh, but they're 10 million over the cap right now using LTIR. <laughs> um, obviously again, Mark Stone's 9.5 is a big amount of that. Jack Eichel's making his debut tomorrow, probably today when this podcast is out. So that's kind of exciting. I, uh, I'm assuming they're probably starting stupid late, so I won't be able to watch it, but it's exciting nonetheless to see uh, Eichel with Vegas soon. Yeah. It seems so sudden, eh? Yeah, it, it kind of does, but like again, this is kind of why Eichel won the surgery, I think, is like he's been in a contact shirt for like two weeks now, and it sounds like he's been kind of ready to go, and they have been slow playing this until like an injury like this pops up. Yeah, until they can uh, actually get under the cap. If they manage to add somebody, that'll be wild. I would feel like to add someone, they probably have to shed that Dabnov contract. Yeah, and maybe more. Yeah, well, so it depends how long Mark Stone's out. True. And I know you get more flexibility as the deadline get, gets closer, so they're definitely not making a move early or anything. No, it would be on deadline day, I would assume. But if, if they think Stone is out for, like, until playoffs, if they could get rid of Dadnow's $5 million, Stone for Eichel cancels each other out, and then it just depends. I think Martinez is coming back at some point, too, so they might still have to move a little bit. But um, they, they might have a couple million to like add like a even it's like a Cali Yarncroke type player at like two million dollars or something for their bottom six. Yeah, find something like that. Although it's they don't really need to do anything either. No, like if they stay put, I, I think it's totally fine. They're still going to be one of the top teams with everyone healthy. Yeah, and their buying is just going to be whoever they get back healthy at that point. Yeah. So uh, Central Arizona. Um, again, we we don't even. Oh my God, their cap friendly page is wild. Looking at the draft picks. Uh, <laughs> they are going to sell. They have three forwards locked up for next year, and one of them is Andrew Ladd. So every, everyone else is a UFA, or they have two RFAs in Lawson Kroos and Christian Fisher. It's going to be a fire sale, though. Phil Kessel will be their big piece, but I bet you they try and flip. Um, Maybe a Dezingle uh, for a, a very depth pick, although I don't I don't know if they'll get anything for him. I could see retaining and trading Anton Roussel for a depth pick for that leadership grit playoff, whatever. Uh, I could see Strawman being flipped for a depth pick, Ilya Labushkin for a mid to depth pick. Um, 
And then if anyone wants to take a flyer on Scott Wedgwood, uh, I'm sure they would flip him too. But, uh, and they have six more guys on injured reserve who are all also somehow UFAs. Connor Timmons, not, but um, just kind of the most obvious plan here. Um, It's insane looking at their cap friendly page where they have three firsts this year, five seconds on then the rest of their picks next year. They already have two thirds and then, in 2024, they already have three seconds and two thirds and two fourths in that draft. Yeah. And it's going to look even more stupid after this because, like you were saying, like they're going to get a lot of depth picks at this deadline, I would think. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet you they could easily come out of this like deadline with like three firsts. I bet you they get a second for Phil Kessel. Probably. And they might even be willing to take next year's second like for Phil Kessel too. So, but I bet you they could come if they only did this year's picks, I bet you they can run with three first six seconds. Uh, and then this is including <laughs> the picks they have already. Um, maybe two third, you know, maybe two thirds, like two thirds and two or three two, fourths or something. Yeah. Two or three fourths or two, or two or three fifths and two six. I bet you like if they really sell just like every UFA possible and, and people want them, I, I bet you they could come out with just like, you're looking at their picks and they somehow have like, 20 something picks to make in this draft. Oh yeah. This is like the point in Chell GM modes where your biggest problem is you have to go sign a bunch of free agents. And then uh, because you're out of roster players, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Chicago kind of looks like they're going to sell. They, they should sell and definitely seems like that as well. They have, uh, I think they've kind of talked themselves out of them being a, an actual playoff team. I think it was uh, Lambert on, Maybe even the PDO cast where he was like, he said he was listening to someone and they were saying that uh, like the mainstream media is shocked at how bad this team is this year, which like they really shouldn't be at all, but they're just shocked that they're six points under 500 even right now. Um, so they, they will sell it. I, this is one of them. And, but again, like they don't have a ton to sell, right? Like Calvin DeHaan will probably go for a second or third and maybe Eric Gustafson for a depth pick. And then flurry is their big one. Um, but when was the last time we saw a goalie grab a first at the trade deadline? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It sucks when your big thing is flurry because because he's a goalie. So you're looking at what? A second best case Probably scenario Probably a for second. Him? The media has been hyping him up like crazy. So maybe you get a team that's desperate enough, but like like Washington is desperate for a goalie as well. But apparently Flurry actually turned them down. So <laughs> He keeps nixing them apparently. Yeah, so uh, that, that – uh, that's unfortunate for Chicago because I bet you Washington would probably be willing to use their first, but a hundred percent. Although Flurry in a Capitals jersey, I honestly think would look weirder than like Brady in a Buccaneers jersey. Cause at least like the Patriots didn't hate the Buccaneers for like 15 years. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Flurry in a Caps jersey would be one of the weirdest things to witness I can actually possibly think of in the league. You know, one of the only worst things would be like Sid or Ovi switching. Yeah, I mean, Lundquist was in a Caps jersey, even if it was just for the summer, but... That's true. I never really paid any attention to that, though. I was going to say, he never actually put the game on for a game, which would have been just yeah. strange, but... Um, like, Flurry being the, the Caps goalie in a playoff game would just feel so wrong. Yeah. Um, next team, Colorado. Again, as we said, bye. They have very limited amount of space, but they probably, they'll be a team that I think will have a couple million when deadline time rolls around. So um, I could see them adding a, a middle six forward, maybe a depth. It sounds like Claude Giroux wants to go to 
Colorado is the report. That would be an insane ad for them, which I, I would love to see, but I don't know how they make that work asset wise, cap space wise, all that stuff. But I could definitely see them adding a piece up front. Yep. Yeah. The, they have four number one defensemen. So uh, start looking at their three. Let's start looking at on the D4. Yep. Um, pretty or, easy up there. front. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next team, Dallas Stars. Uh, this is a team that should sell. I'm very curious to see what they do. I think they might be a team like Anaheim that kind of stays pat when they absolutely should not be. Yeah, they're they're out of the playoffs right now, despite how pathetic the uh, Pacific and the Oilers have been. They need to sell, but they seem like the kind of team that's going to talk themselves into not doing it. Yeah, like uh, again, like Anna, I think they're gonna their thing will probably be like Anaheim's, where it's like if they are six or seven points out of a playoff spot by the time the deadline rolls around, maybe that'll be enough to convince them to sell. But um, you know, if they aren't, I, I could see them. I do think they will. It kind of sounds like they are going to sell John Klingberg, which is huge. Y- yes, which is massive, and they absolutely should. But I would double down. I would sell Holtby, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I would sell Radulov, who's a UFA. I would sell Pavelski. You could get easily get a first for Pavelski. I would think so. Pavelski's actually worth a ton. Yeah, he's, he's been the like, most valuable player on their team. Yeah, he's been actually amazing for two years now. Like, yep. So and, and like a veteran leader, big team USA guy, point per game forward, responsible, not just responsible, like actively great defensively. Yeah, everything I, they could want basically. I think you probably get a second or a third and maybe even like a C-level prospect for Radulov. Um, and you would, would absolutely so. get like a first plus for John Klingberg. So yep. like, and, and this is the thing where it's like, I forget, I think I was talking to, was it Nate maybe the other this weekend? And he was saying like, they might sell Klingberg, but they're a good enough team. They should just kind of try and go for it and sneak into playoffs. It's like, but what good does that God, do? No. Like, like, what does that do? It's like, well, and everyone will bring up the cup run in the bubble. It's like, okay, A, that team was better than this one. But B, like, that was a miracle run as it is. Do you really want to double down on that and hope that, like, Jason Robertson and uh, Rupe Hintz can take you to the, the finals again? Because that's not going to happen. Yeah, their goal differential is 37 worse than the Blues. That yeah. is made. That's like the third best team in your division. You're not. I would say the Blues aren't team. particularly good either. The Blues would be the fourth best team. Like, yeah, like don't don't do that. Yeah, so like that, I think they should have. And the thing is, too, again, like if it's a team like LA, where it's like they don't really have a ton to sell, it's like okay, maybe not. But like you could be looking at two first round picks, probably at a really good prospect, maybe even two, and then a couple more depth picks. Do you know how quickly that restarts your rebuild or like kickstarts your rebuild? You suddenly yeah. have multiple first round picks over the next two years in what's supposed to be really good drafts, a couple depth picks as well. And if you sell off other pieces next year, you're going to have even more. So like that, it's just the opportunity cost of not doing it just seems so aggressive. So aggressive. Um, Minnesota. I think they, it sounds like they're going to buy. They kind of sounds like they want a depth centerman. Um, I don't go back and forth on this. I think they should, I guess. I, I don't know. Like this is clearly the last year they're going to be this competitive for a couple of years. Cause the cap crunch comes next year, um, with those buyouts, but like, I, I don't think they should add a ton. I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth here. They have all their picks, but they're seventh rounder this year and they have an extra fifth. So it's not like they don't have assets. 
I just, this is one of the teams where like, if you're the GM and luckily this GM has a lot of uh, like Bill Guerin has a lot of goodwill, I think, because they are a lot better than anyone really expected them to be. But it's like, do you go in this year where you do have a solid team? Like, it's not like they're bad or anything like that, but like they have to go through Colorado and they want like Vegas, if they make it, like, it's not like it's an easy path, but this is also going to be by far your best chance of winning for at least three years now. Do you just stay put? Do you go for it? Like, what what are your thoughts on this? I don't hate just going for it and seeing what happens as long as they don't do anything like catastrophic to mortgage the future that's kind of where i'm at too because you know it's like well do you go for it it's just kind of like uh uh do you pick up let's just like a second like do you trade your second or a second pick in a prospect maybe like not a great prospect obviously they're not trading marco rossi or anything but like do you just trade like a second and a, a fine prospect for like a good second line center and just keep your first. So then it's like, you still have your first rounder. You still have some picks to work with. And so you can, you know, maybe use that first and that guy's good when you want to be good again. Like that's probably what I would do. I kind of see them doing that. It's just, I kind of wonder if that's too much of half in half out. Yeah. I think it's probably is a little too much of half in and half out, but it seems like something they would do. Right. Yes. Yes. Just it definitely like does. a little depth pick that increases your cup odds by 0.01% or something like that. Yeah. Um, the Nashville Predators are the next team up. This is right where we're getting into the thing of like, probably we would differ from what they would do. Um, they're currently third in their own division, but they're 15th in Corsi or in expected goals and 17th in Corsi four percentage. Um, if I was this team, I would be selling. I would probably sell Forsberg um, and whoever else, anyone. I mean, they don't really have much else to sell than Forsberg, to be honest, but I would definitely be selling Forsberg. I could see the scene just staying put, to be honest. I and think I, they almost certainly will stay put, but and, not selling Forsberg's a first in a prospect. You're lighting on fire. Yeah, exactly. And like the only way, and so, and there's obviously a theme here is the only way I could see them like justifying keeping him where I wouldn't be just totally pissed off is like, let's say, and this never happens, which is why, you know, we say so many teams should sell. Let's say every team we've already mocked up sells every player that we've said. There's just not enough first round picks in circulation that you're actually going to get value for some of these guys, right? Like, or what you should. Yeah. If that's the case, then I might be more okay with justifying like trying to see if Forsberg would want a four or five year deal so you could flip them in a year or two instead. But um, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Cause if anything, usually the problem goes too far the other way. <laughs> yeah. Or, teams are buying. Not yeah, good, exactly. too many good teams are selling. Yeah, like I, I can't really remember the last time like there was truly too many teams where like we wanted to get rid of this player, but we were only getting offered a third, so we couldn't sell them. And like that's a fair enough thing to say because there always feels like there's people who should have been flipped, and teams always seem to be wanting to spend their assets. So yeah. um, everybody's pipe pumped to light money on fire on deadline day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, St. Louis uh, again, a team that I would probably. <laughs> Like they don't have much to sell. I would say probably stay put for this team. If you want to sell on like a David Perron, go for it. I think they will stay put. They might even add and adding, I think would be a mistake for this team. Yeah, probably. I don't, if they added in a sort of Minnesota sense where you're, you're old, you're getting worse. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't hate it. if they do something like really egregious long-term then sure, but they probably are the third best team in the division. 
I just think they're a distant third. Like I, I think Minnesota is a clear step above them and Colorado is a very clear step above Minnesota too. Right. Like, yeah, you're probably going to get crushed by the ads if you ever draw them. But if you, if, if you spent like a third or a fourth or whatever, it's not a big deal. But like if Minnesota traded their first way this year, I could be like, yeah, I'll understand that. If, if St. Louis did it, I, unless it's just for like a really good player, you couldn't say no to, I just don't think I would understand it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. They, and St. Louis has less of an impending cap hell too. So there's probably more of an argument to just stay put because you have Cairo at 23, you have Bujnevic at 26. You have what's Robert Thomas, like 22. Like you still, you have a lot more yeah. young pieces than Minnesota does in the current NHL. Now yeah. Rossi turns out to be amazing. But never mind. Minnesota's got to pay twelve million dollars, and then fourteen million dollars, and then fourteen million dollars to have somebody not play for them. They're screwed. Yeah, exactly. So uh, last team in this division again. Another like I feel like a bunch of these central teams are so like are close enough for the playoffs and wanted to be good. Where I I just don't see them convincing to sell. But the Winnipeg Jets are the last team on our list here. If I was this team, I would be hard selling. And I think they will either stay put or maybe I think they'll stay put. I think they're, they're far enough out where they are probably not buying, but like Statsny, see ya, Andrew Kopp, see ya. Um, like anyone floated out there that basically anyone, but like Hellebuck and Ehlers and Connor, probably, you know, you can take a swing at. I'd be willing to sell anyone on this team to be perfectly honest i would sell hellbuck if i got a good trade offer as this team this team sucks uh it wasn't paul maurice's fault it doesn't look like and uh, the reinforcements are not exactly around the corner yeah this team really this would be an interesting one to like gm take over because you could you could kill a lot of the trades, I think. So like even like Blake Wheeler, I think you could probably he has a full no move, so who knows? But like if Blake Wheeler wanted to move I bet you, you could probably still get like a, if not a first, definitely a second for him. Yeah. Or like we thought the, uh, the Toffoli trade was nice. Imagine how much some stupid team would grossly overpay for Mark Shifley with three years left. Yep. Kyle Connor, you could easily sell 25 year old, 4.5 years left at 7 million. Um, and, and puts up massive point totals. And like Kyle Connor, I think would be a worthwhile investment for a team if they can surround him with play drivers. But still, like you could absolutely selling Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, any of them, Pierre Luc Dubois, like Ehlers, even. Uh, I probably wouldn't trade Ehlers just because I, I find it hard. The, the league doesn't seem to value him all that much. So, like, I, I just feel like you wouldn't get the return he deserves right now. If that makes sense, but no, you probably wouldn't. He's likely to be undervalued on the trade market. But yeah, like this is a team that probably should hard reset sell. I bet you they stay the course at the deadline there. Yep. And then they'll probably make a, a signing or two in the offseason and then proceed to play at an 88 point pace again. Yep. So on to the next division, the Metro. I'm just trying to speed things up here, although we're doing all right for time. I think we're at the 50 minute mark, maybe. So uh, and, you know, 15 or 20 of that to- was uh, talking about the trade. So we'll try and go like 10 minutes per division here. Um, Carolina, easy one. They're going to buy. Uh, this is the best team they've had in a while. Uh, goaltending looks great. Their forwards look really solid. That defense core is still very good. Um, I could easily see them looking for a middle six guy just to give them even more depth. Maybe maybe another defensive piece to try and 
um, you know, edge out like Ian Cole or something like that. But uh, I, I don't think they, I think their big splash is probably done. I, I don't think they're going to maybe like, I, I just don't really see them going and getting like a Philip Forsberg or anything, but if they did, I would be all in for that team. Yeah. This team can buy whatever they have. They have kind of a blank check to go buy whatever. Take advantage of the fact that there's no correlation from goalie results year over year, but in season, there's some signal there. Because uh, you're not certain Freddie's going to be good next year, but you could, or sorry, you could basically you'd be more certain Freddie's going to be good for the remainder of this year than you can be next year. Uh, take advantage of that and go for it. You got a great set of skaters and take your shot. Yep, absolutely. Another easy team here, Columbus. Uh, this division is, I think the next two divisions will be pretty obvious, to be honest, because there's, unlike the uh, Central and even, even kind of the Pacific, there is, it's the haves and have nots in, in this division in terms of going to make the playoffs. Uh, Columbus has Max Domi as a UFA, uh, Dean Kukin, he probably won't go for much. Uh, and then Jonas Corposalo, as I mentioned earlier, those are the three UFAs. Uh, RFAs that maybe they could still look to sell. Line is the biggest name, I would say. Um, if yeah, they but they're not going to do that. Yeah, I, I, I doubt it either. But And they're also, I, I just don't see them trading Jack Rosselbeck, Emil Benstrom. Uh, clearly they're not going to uh, trade Adam Boquist. Why would you? So um, yeah, the, Max Domi is probably the biggest name there that they'll move. And maybe Corsalo, depending if you're uh, um, really into goalies, but uh, yeah, I feel like they'll probably just get like a mid round pick for Domi and maybe a mid round pick for Corsalo too. Yeah. Something like that. It wouldn't shock me. They get like a second for Domi and that, yeah. even if that's all they do, something like that. Yep, I can see that. Devils, uh, again, they're gonna they don't have much to sell, but I could see them flipping Suban, maybe if they retain Suban and some team wants to take a swing at him at 4.5, maybe. But yep, other than that, you don't really have anything to sell. Some team wants to tar, let them have it. But yeah, or like put. maybe even like Miles Wood, like yeah, Janssen was another one I saw floating around. Like if teams are willing to go nuts for these guys, obviously do it, but you don't really have a ton of assets, so they seem like a team ready to just stay put. Yeah. Uh, the Islanders, again, I th- they should sell. I'm not convinced they – ah, uh, yeah, no, never mind. I, I thought they were on a bit more of a hot streak. I just checked. Columbus is seven points out of them, even with four games in hand. That No, Islanders are going to sell. I don't even think Lou is that stupid. But I guess like, 17 points out of the right Yeah. Now. But like they don't have a ton of like Chara will definitely get a pick of some kind. Clutterbuck, yeah, like I'm sure will or something. Yeah, like even Chara, I could see like a third. Some team just like loves that experience. And obviously, like Chara, playoff hockey is where Chara excels because they don't call penalties. So that's the only way it can <laughs> yeah. be useful. And it's too bad the only GM old enough to be willing to give up a fourth round pick for Andy Green is on your team because that could be <laughs> another defenseman who would do that. Yeah, but then up front, Prize and Clutterbuck will probably go for like depth picks of some kind, but they just they've, they've locked themselves into it so aggressively that uh, they really can't do much. Yep. After uh, after years of breaking analytics, it's been pretty quiet on the Islanders front this year. Yes, it very much has. Um, the Rangers. Oh, this is a this is one where I, I, I think that they absolutely will be buying. Oh, they're going to be. Guns blazing buying, I think. This shouldn't shock anyone, but I would stay put if I was this team. Yep. You're playing with house money. Your team sucks. <laughs> They're so bad. But, yeah, like, I, I could see him. I mean, 
Like they need to add up front if they want any hope of winning a round. You have a 937 from your goalie, and you're not even ahead of the Penguins who've played like 10 games with Malkin and missed Sid for 10 10 games of the year. Like yeah. your team isn't good. No, like it's it's insane how like this is like it's it's honestly incredible how a much seven. Has Hank ever had a 937? No, I guarantee. Season? I think his highest was like 929, maybe. And that was in a lower scoring league. Yeah. And like, that was like, oh my God, look at what Hank is doing with this team. Yep. Like, I'm just pulling up the goal saved above expected as well. Like, Frederick Anderson's at 23.36. I'm willing to bet that the, even like the Canes defensive system still can't help filter that out necessarily as much, but Shesterkin at 22.68 is just insane. Yeah. Like you're going to be running at like a 35% XG in the playoffs, whether you get the hurricanes or penguins. Yeah. Or like, like they could slide down to the wild card and just have to face one of Tampa, Toronto or Florida. Yep. Yeah. And then, you're also running at a 35% uh, XG probably, except you're going to be outclassed by the other team's shooters too. Hey, but it's okay because uh, Toronto media has asked three times now, can Toronto play the tough teams? You know, they, they outshoot them 50 to 25 and get goalied a couple times, but I, I think it might actually be a lack of determination from Toronto's side. So I think it is. They can't win the playoff games. What games are the playoff games, you ask? The ones they lose. (laughs) The arbitrary ones they lose against a team that we have decided is quote-unquote tough. Yep. Play the Canes, beat them pretty good? No, that doesn't count. That's That's just a a running team. No, you idiots. That's just a run-and-gun offensive team. You could never play the Canes who are in your conference and at near the top of it in the playoffs. But the Calgary Flames, who are second place in a different conference, that's a realistic playoff game right there. Yeah, I mean, you should be worried about it. But anyways, where we've uh, dived on topic here. But yeah, if I was in New York, I would stay. But I, I bet you they will be willing to part with some assets. And that is a bad idea, in my opinion. Yeah, although the team is getting kind of older the between two rebuilds. If you really want to just say like, you know how Ottawa had dog shit underlying numbers and then they filled in the depth and suddenly it's decent. Yes, that, that's a good point. If you wanted to like overhaul your bottom six or something, but the, the biggest problem I have, like, I think if you're New York, I would rather just see them commit to like saying, it, all right, then we're done with Kako. Like Kako is going to be the main piece of a trade we're sending back. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because that's like, that's kind of what Ottawa had to do is they were like, all right, like Curtis Lazar is just not it anymore. Yep. Now Lazar was a little, little older than Kako at the time, but like still. Yeah. And the other problem with that is you'd have to, you'd have to trust the Rangers front office to be really intelligent about this, which I wouldn't have a ton of faith in that. No, me either. Yeah, like I guess if you wanted to just say we are never going to get a goaltending season as good as this, we have a Norris candidate guy and Panarin is still playing really well up front. Let's just say and go all in here. I would respect that way more than just spending like a first on a fine player on like a Toffoli type player and saying there we go with one year left and saying there we go. We're done. Yeah. So um, next team is the Philadelphia Flyers, they're going to sell. Uh, that is pretty obvious. They are last in their division right now. 
very, I think they're like 30 points out of the playoff spot almost. Um, Drew is the big piece there. Yep. They're, Maybe you're going to line in, but you're going to resign him probably. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be an interesting <laughs> one for us to yell about. Um, Yandel, you could probably flip maybe even like a Dresden Braun for a very, very depth pick. Um, but other than that, you really don't have much to sell. So it'll be Drew and get a first and then start your rebuild, I guess. Yeah, and for what it's worth, Sheru and or Pavelski are probably the two best players likely to be moved, so it's a nice piece to have. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, like there, there could be a bidding war for Giroux, for sure. Especially yeah, if they're the willing to... style Giroux plays, too. You can so talk yourself oh, into that going into the playoffs. 100%, especially if, like, Philly's willing to eat some contract back the other way. Yeah. Like if they're if they're willing to take on a little bit now they don't have a ton of space but moving Giroux frees, frees up eight point two seven five so if you retain half on Giroux and take a four million dollar contract what team doesn't really like like back the other way you know you could uh, come out pretty well on that getting some assets. Oh yeah, that could be awesome. I'm trying to think. Colorado doesn't really have bad contracts, but say you're willing to take like the Kalorn contract from Tampa and give them Giroux or something, that could be pretty sweet. Or take like. I don't know if they would maybe do this because I'd probably value them a little higher. Um, I was going to say like the Strom contract even. Like, I don't know if the Strom, maybe that's not a good one per se, but like um, from the Rangers, like a, a deal like that where it's like you're upgrading on the player. Um, you could probably flip a player like Strom too, or even Kalorn you could probably flip pretty easily. But yeah, um, I would think so. Yeah. Last two teams are Pittsburgh and Washington. Uh, I think this will be pretty obvious too for both of us. Like uh, they'll probably light by, they don't really, neither of them have a ton of cap space, but, and both of them are kind of in the same position where it's like the core is getting older, but their main players are still very good. So you just kind of got to keep going for it as long as you can, when you have Malcolm Crosby and uh, Ovi Backstrom on the other side. Yep. You have generational talents playing their positions. Keep kicking at the can until Sid Ovi and Malcolm are done. Yep. So uh, that wraps up that division into the Atlantic, the Boston Bruins um, buy. Uh, I, this one's easy. I think they will buy. I think they should buy. Um, Philip Forsberg would be a really interesting piece on this team. Yeah, this team should go big game hunting because of Bergeron's age and Marshan's age and stuff. They're probably the fourth best team in their division, but I honestly think it's most important for them to buy. Yes. I think if they could get a, if they could spend a first on like a, an amazing second line player or first line player who would be on their second line. And I would even go as far as spending like a second and a prospect to shore up your defense core. Cause that is brutal as well, or vice versa, right? Where it's like, you go get a legitimate top two defenseman um, who's not Ben Chirot. Like if this team goes and picks up Ben Chirot, that'd be whole. I would love it because this team, but at the same time, like in terms of actually doing what you should, that would be a huge mistake. But if they could go get like two, like legitimately good players, this team suddenly goes from the fourth best team in their division to at least a lot closer to the top three. And um, again, like Bergeron's getting older, Marchand, who knows how many good, like this good years he has left. And I'm like, we were talking the other day in their group chat, Marchand's a, a top blank player in the league. What's that number? 10. I'd say, yep. 15 at the very, very worst. If you're like valuing like Shesterkin as a goalie really high. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. And it do depend with the, some of the defensemen, how you weave them in there. But he's alarmingly high on that list for somebody who was 
that old. He's a top ten forward for sure. Yeah, and he's he's amazing on a penalty kill and like all that stuff too. Yeah, like he might even be like close to top five forward. I don't think he's quite there, but just because he doesn't play center, but like I would have a hard time putting him past like six or seven just off the top of my head. But yeah, and like with Kucherov missing a ton of the season again and Panarin's five on five numbers falling off a cliff, you can make him top one winger case pretty easily. Yep. So, and again, he's 33. So who knows how long he's going to be playing like this. So I, I would go all in if I'm Boston on this deadline. Yep. Me too. Um, the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Speaking of all in, <laughs> um, they don't have a ton to sell. Shockingly, their team sucks. Uh, Cody Eakin, I guess maybe Victor Olofsson. If some team really wants him, I could, be parting ways with him like he's already 26 he is an rfa but i think if, if anything i think they should sell Olsen just because it's like you could sell to a team that he is an rfa and they're they'll hold his rights for kind of cheap next year too yeah that would actually be a really good trade although you know what's actually coming is a fifth for cody Eakin and nothing else yeah they don't have anything else to sell on this team so um they should be sellers he'll probably end up saying put just because they don't have anything to sell um but that's whatever uh detroit again same kind of pocket where it's like they, they've overachieved this year, but I, I think they should still sell. If anyone, I mean, no one's going to want Mark Stahl, but if anyone wants like Troy Stetcher, Danny DeKaiser, Nicoletti, any any of those guys, retain and get them out of there. Thomas Grice is another in net option if someone wants a depth goaltender or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because honestly, you're fifth in your division where four teams will make it, but you're probably less than 1% to make the playoffs at this point. Sell what you can. Yep. Um, Nemestikov might go for like a fourth or a fifth or something like that. So that'll be a small sell as well. Um, Florida Panthers by, uh, I think, I think we've talked about in the past that this is a team that should be going all in because they kind of feel like this is their shot. Like this is the best team they've had in a while. And, uh, maybe you argue that their buying was, um, Reinhardt this past offseason because they don't have a first or a second, but I could definitely see them trying to add like another defenseman. Yeah, I could see something like that. This really is the perfect year for them. Barkov's big deal kicks in next year. Verhaggy kicks in next year. Bob's probably not putting up a 920 next year. If you get out on the blue line and go for it, you kind of got to do it. Yep. Um, Montreal selling, obviously, we've already talked about this. It'll be interesting to the degree that they sell to, but they are definitely sellers. Yep. Uh, and then you get to Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa will be another team that kind of like light sells because they don't have a ton to really sell. Like Chris Tierney will be gone. Uh, sounds like Zach Sand. Apparently, he had an interview today where it's like he kind of hated. It sounded like he hated living in Ottawa or in Canada. <laughs> so he'll, he'll be gone. Um if someone really wants Josh Brown, he might be gone. And uh, Nick Paul will be the one interesting for me personally, just because I think they, I don't really care if they try, like if they signed him to like a three by three, I wouldn't be like pissed off or anything like that. But some teams offering like a second round pick, you just take that run, I think for Nick Paul, but, and then Tyler Ennis is the other piece. So it's just a lot of really like really um, small pieces. Like they're not getting more than a, fourth for any of these guys i don't think other than maybe paul yeah which is fine too because like 
the upside of this team is that they've been bad, but every good part of it has been their young players. Yeah, but the downside of that, obviously that's way better long-term. You want Brady to chuck and them to have been the good ones on your team, but it just means you don't have a ton of vets to sell, which is fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like their depth sucks. It needs an overhaul. So hopefully they can trade three or four pieces of that to start it this year. Yeah. Um, the next team is the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, again, there's they're 8 million over the cap while using LTIR right now. So I don't know how they buy, but if it is possible, they will be. Yep. Yeah. They're Tampa. You want two straight cups. What else is there to say? Yeah, not much. And Toronto, they're going to buy, uh, interested to what, what do you think this team's biggest need is? Do you think, cause Second obviously left wing. Okay. That, that see, that's interesting because I think if you ask the general public and mainstream media, they would be, or, you know, just media in general, I, I guess I should say mainstream. I was just the, anytime I say that, I just think of people saying lamestream media of like the trucker <laughs> convoy or whatever. And then I just hate myself yeah. for it. Um, but like literally like the, the media has been pounding the drum that Justin Hall cannot be playing on the second pair come playoff time. Um, and that is in many people's eyes, their biggest need. So I, I was curious to see what you thought if it was winger versus D I think they could use both to be honest. Yeah, both wouldn't, wouldn't be bad. And if you wanted to bet on the defense, because, um, Justin Hall will be playing with either Muzzin or Sandine, whereas whoever plays second line left wing will be getting Tavares and Nylander. So you're just betting that the quality teammate there. I wouldn't think that's crazy either. Yeah. Like my biggest concern for, or if I was Toronto is that Jake Muzzin has not looked like himself at all this year. Yeah. But Sandine's looked awesome. The question is, do they have the balls to actually play Sandine in the top four in the playoffs? I doubt it. No, I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to be betting on yes. Although, Part of Leafs fandom is betting on yes right now because they should, uh, but I don't think they're going to. Yeah, and even then the question remains, like, Sandine's good, but is he good enough to carry around Justin Hall on a second pair? Yeah. So I definitely think they could use a solid right-handed defenseman. I've been trying to workshop some names for them. I really... There aren't many. No, like, they're, they're really not. Um like Ilya Labushkin from from Arizona was the one I keep circling back on, where Which but is the, just Russian Justin Hall. Yeah, exactly. Like the biggest problem with him is, or like even like Travis, like he's not like he has Travis Dermott level numbers and has only played uh, third pair, kind of like Travis Dermott. So you're probably better off just like promoting Dermott, which people would absolutely die die if you did. You know, like that would be funny just for uh, just for Twitter. Yeah, um, Klingberg people have asked if it makes sense for them. Uh, I I think the price would just be too high for that. And yeah, like, just, that's just doing the Barry trade at the trade deadline. Basically. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like Klingberg doesn't really bring what they need, especially because Sandine has also looked good on the power play at times too. So, um, yeah, like you're just getting a power play merchant. Like you're literally doing the Barry trade. You can justify it by saying, oh, but he's a puck-moving defenseman. It'll work really well in our system, better than in other systems. But all the logic's the exact same as the very trade, which blew up in their face. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I'm just like, I'm, I'm looking through the list. Like Josh Manson, I would say fine, but I think the, the price for Manson is going to be through the roof. So I don't think they should pay that. Yeah, like, Manson's kind of like the Nick Felino trade on defense this mm-hmm. year. Like Nick Felino was fine, but the price is just way too high, and I'm pretty certain Manson would be the same problem. If you give up a third and a whatever prospect for Felino or Manson, that's a 
Great perfectly trade. fine trade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even like a second round pick or whatever, but giving up a first and a prospect, which he Manson will probably go for. And that's what uh Felino went for what a first to fourth for cap retention and a prospect, I think, last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that, that's just way too much. So uh, but yeah, like and then other than that, like I'm just I'm scrolling through the free agent list, like for right-handed D, and it's just not like Calvin DeHaan. Uh, isn't he a lefty who just played the right side? Yeah. Too? Yeah. At that point, just put what's his name there? Sandine there. Sandine. Yeah, exactly. Like then you get down to like the, the Troy Stetcher area where it's like, this isn't upgrading your top four. That's for sure. Yeah. Or even like, do you consider like just playing Robertson on your second line and then saying your decor is fine? Like the, if, you're, if you're Toronto? Yeah. I think, I don't know. I, yeah, I, like there is just, there, there's really no options. Yeah. Cause that's the problem. Like, and again, none of this would be a problem if we hadn't decided that this team either wins around this year or we'd make it way worse on purpose in the summer. Yeah. That's, that's definitely true. Like, if it's a year where they've, like, let's say they, they won two rounds last year, they went to the conference final or whatever. If, they came out of this deadline. They were like, there was just no good players for the price we wanted to pay. We think we have an amazing team anyways that can win with this core. And we want to save our first rounder for the first time in four years or whatever. And because we don't have third, fourth, fifth or sixth, uh, that's what we're doing. Like, I feel like people would, people would respect that and be way more okay with that than if they did that, where the situation is now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Whereas honestly, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Like they're on place for franchise record and points. I think if they're not gonna, if they're not gonna add a left wing this year, unless like someone they really like with good internal match or like someone, because I'm just looking at UFAs. Let, let's say like a really good uh, right-handed defenseman pops up that's an RFA has term control or something like that, and we just didn't realize they're available. If they can make a move like that, that's totally different, right? Like, yeah, a hundred percent. I don't know who that guy would be off the top of my head, but if the, if uh, he's not a UFA, but if you could get like Dylan DeMello or something for the right side, then all of a sudden it completely changes. Yeah, exactly. Or like just requires more creativity. Yeah. 100%. Or like, um, let's say Philly is just like, yeah, we're actually selling. And I don't know, does Philly have a fine right-handed defenseman? Now Provorov's left. Yeah. Ristolainen. No, not really. No. But like that but, style of trade. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like a team that's like you weren't expecting to maybe sell and they're like, actually, no, we, we don't think we're that good. Well, the fire sale, if you give us your first, then that that's totally different. But yeah, if it's just a pure rental, I, I think they should probably stay away from the, the market, to be honest. Yeah. So uh, that's our trade deadline preview. It's a, it's a month away, but we figured it was a good time to take a look at anything anyways. Um, as always, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I have a piece on Adam Gaudet. I think I mentioned that last time, but it's still pretty fresh. So if you want to read that, you can go there. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. You can find all of Chase's stuff at actionnetwork.com and him on Twitter at CMHockey66. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.